Hey, 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 Legal Pagers. Welcome to this episode of the Legal Page Podcast. I am going to get right into some legal and contract talk. You guys know I'm all about contracts. I'm a contract attorney by heart, by trade, and by passion. And a popular question I continually get asked is, Paige, how do I order my contract clauses in my contract? What should it actually look like from top to bottom? So that's what I'm going to do here in this episode. It's a bite-sized episode. This is a quick little legal tip for you in your client contracts and any contracts that you have for your business. So I want to make sure that you have them correctly ordered from top to bottom. So let's do this, my friends. You're listening to The Legal Page Podcast, where we chat about life and business with a legal twist. I'm Paige attorney and photographer helping online businesses and creatives tackle their business dreams without breaking out in hives. No more legal mumbo jumbo. This podcast features simple bite-sized advice that'll have you legally legit in no time. Are you ready? Let's get started. As a reminder, before we get into this episode, I am legally obligated to give my disclaimer. So I am an attorney, but I am not your attorney. All legal information I talk about on this episode is intended for the masses and a large variety of different businesses. I am only your attorney when you hire me and we sign an engagement letter for me to work specifically on your legal issues. Please feel free to seek out another attorney in your hometown if you need specific legal advice or contact me for more information. Alrighty, here's the episode, friends. Thanks again, you guys, for tuning in today. As you know, we are really going to get into what the correct order of clauses are in your contract. And I, I'm just going to start off at the very, very top of your contract. So the first thing should be the title of your contract. The next thing should be your business name. So wedding, photography, contract, space, or maybe you have a space in between. It doesn't really matter. The legal page, LLC, if that was my actual business name. Maybe it's, you know, Surefire Photography, LLC. Okay, so that's going to be the top. And then you're going to have your first introductory clause is what all of us contract lawyers like to call it. You're introducing both parties and their legal names and legal business addresses. You can add abbreviations to be used throughout the contract here. So you'll you'll say, you know, this agreement is between client one and client two, and Surefire Photography, LLC. And after those names, you're going to put in parens, quote unquote, client with a capital C or hereafter clients, if you have multiple clients. And then after you name your business, you're going to have hereafter quotations, company with a capital C. And then throughout the rest of your agreement, you're going to refer to clients and company as that with their capital letters and not their actual names. So that's the introductory paragraph. And then just make sure you always explain when the contract becomes effective. Usually the contract becomes effective after both parties sign. So on the date of both party signatures below is kind of a clause that you want to have in that introductory paragraph. So after you do your contract title, your business name, that introductory paragraph, you're going to have the general terms and conditions of your actual contractual relationship with those clients or just single client. In that vein, 
how do you order those clauses from top to bottom? So the most important clauses are going to go at the top of the contract. I'm going to explain here what those are, but then you're going to have kind of mm, some important clauses that are in relation to your services in the middle. And then you're going to have those boilerplate clauses at the bottom, those general provisions. Sometimes they're called miscellaneous clauses or provisions at the bottom Those are going to be your entire agreement clause, your venue and jurisdiction clause, severability, transfer, headings, notice, counterparts and facsimile, signature, arbitration. All of those are going to be in every single contract. And those are your boilerplate clauses. They're going to be at the bottom, right above the signature lines. But at the top are your important ones. I always suggest your scope of work goes right at the top. Your fees (laughs) go right at the top. Cancellation and rescheduling policies, COVID policies, uh, any, you know, delivery of your, you know, whatever you're delivering to your clients, any of those things are going to go at the very, very top. That's extremely important because as we all know, as we're reading contracts online, oftentimes we're signing contracts now all online. There's not a lot of paper contracts anymore. I mean, we're even signing for houses online now after COVID. You know, a lot of this was available to be online prior to 2020, but I think post-2020, we're going to be seeing basically everything virtual now. And so with that comes just, we get accustomed to scrolling. We get accustomed to reading the top of contracts a little bit more in depth, scrolling a bit through, you know, the, the middle provisions, Scrolling to the bottom and being like, you just kind of know in your brain that you're going to have those boilerplate languages at the bottom, and then you're going to have the signature lines, right? So make sure that you are organizing your contract in the way that a generic client is going to read it. So I firmly, firmly, firmly believe that your contracts have to be organized in a certain way in order for your client to best understand it, not for you to understand it. Because we can write our contracts however we want, but you don't want to make this more confusing for your clients. So take a step back and read it through the eyes of your clients. Is, you know, your contract organized? Are there headings? Is it really clear? Is it numbered? Can you point to a number of a clause and you and your clients are looking, yes, specifically at clause number six? Are, you know, is that clause and your whole contract easy to read and understand and follow? is everything laid out really, really clearly. So this will help stop a lot of those back and forth questions that you probably will have with your clients. If you're organizing it from top to bottom the correct way, most important clauses, kind of general service provisions in the middle, and then boilerplate language at the end. Other clauses that you want to ensure are in your contract, if they aren't already, are COVID-19 clauses. Um, From here on out, we're going to want to make sure that, of course, you have a force majeure clause. If you don't have that, go get one. And we have a really great one at thelegalpage.com. Not to toot my own horn, but force majeure is kind of my expertise. (laughs) So uh, make sure you have a bomb diggity force majeure clause. Make sure you're explicitly delineating that epidemics and pandemics are included in force majeure clauses. They oftentimes weren't previously. Usually it was just acts of God, terrorism, avalanches, you know, so on and strikes, all kinds of different things like that. Um, And then kind of, you know, actual viral issues were never a huge consideration for force majeure events and shutting down the world 
And now in today's day and age, we need to have those listed. So force majeure clauses are very important. At the end of your force majeure clause, make sure you explain what happens with fees paid due to termination of the contract for a force majeure event. Um, That explains to your clients, this is what we all had missing in our contracts uh, when the pandemic hit is we had, okay, yeah, like you, it won't be breach of contract. You can push performance, you can delay performance. Uh, and that's pretty much what a force majeure clause said. Um, it explained like what force majeures acts of God were actually were. And if it was this, then you guys kind of try to work together and you either terminate the agreement or you just have the agreement be serviced on a different date. But there was nothing about fees paid. So make sure at the end of your force majeure clauses, you're adding a sentence or two on that explains in the event this agreement is terminated due to a force majeure event that all fees paid by client up to the date of X will be transferable to, you know, new client services for the next 12 months or something like that. So you want to put time periods on it and make it very specific but you want to ensure that your non-refundable payments still remain non-refundable and they're just transferable and you're giving some wiggle room in the event of a force majeure situation. Are you wondering what are contract clauses, Paige? Contract clauses are the individual paragraphs that make up an entire contract. If you already have an existing contract, but you simply need to add in additional clauses to protect your business regarding specific situations, contract clause templates are perfect for you to add on to your contract that you already have. Want to know the specific essential clauses that you need to have in your contracts to ensure you're actually protecting your business? Well, don't worry, I've got you, my friend. I have a freebie that features all of the contract clauses you need and descriptions of each of those essential clauses to ensure you're covering your bases and fully protecting your business with your contract. All you have to do is check off each clause in the downloadable checklist as you go through your existing contract. And if you're missing one, it's super easy to copy and paste and add a new clause in. For this free clause checklist, you can get it today at thelegalpage.com forward slash free clause checklist. Again, that's thelegalpage.com, P-A-I-G-E.com slash free clause checklist. And then COVID-19 is totally different. You want to have a COVID-19 policy, whether you're allowing a complimentary reschedule, whether there's additional rescheduling fees involved in any subsequent rescheduling or cancellation situation, whether cancellation involves forfeiting of all fees paid for COVID-19 rescheduling and cancellations only. And that type of clause is going to have language that says the, you know, for COVID-19 rescheduling and cancellation purposes only, this clause supersedes all other clauses. So it would supersede your force majeure clause and your generic, you know, rescheduling and cancellation policies. That's for, you know, if you're If you're in the wedding industry, your clients break up or I don't know, someone gets sick in the family and they have to move and it's not COVID-19. It's um, some other, you know, reason that they're rescheduling. That is clients canceling on their own volition or rescheduling on their own volition. COVID-19 rescheduling and cancellation gives them your policies for all things COVID-19. Really important to have in our contracts right now. 
Force majeure language, you guys, is usually near the bottom. It is more boilerplate general provisions with like indemnification and maximum damages. So you're, I always say, kind of put that in the middle to end of your contract. Uh, The force majeure, indemnification, maximum damages, limitation of liability. COVID-19 clauses, though, I want up near the top, near your fee clauses, because your clients are going to ask, what's your COVID policy? And boom, if you have it right there in your contract, it's super easy for them to find. And then at the end of your contract, you want to make sure if you have some type of online agreement, which most of us have, the majority of you listening in, make sure you have some type of electronic signature clause that explains that, you know, signing online has the same effect as signing in person, even if it's at different times. Uh, and that facsimile signatures work, whether, you know, they're not just actually like signing, but maybe they're just typing their name. That's a facsimile signature. It is still a valid contract. And then you're going to have all of your signature lines that all, you know, each party agrees to the terms and conditions above and then their signature, their printed name and the date. Uh, Oftentimes you can also put a qualifier if you're like the owner of the business or their client one and client two, you can do that as well. Uh, That is the structure and organization of a beautiful service agreement. So again, just as a recap, at the top, you're going to have your title, you're going to have your business name, you're going to have your introductory paragraph introducing the parties, then you're going to have your terms and conditions, you're going to have your most important clauses at the top, fees, cancellation, rescheduling, scope of work, those all at the top, general kind of service provisions in the middle, boilerplate language at the bottom, And then you're going to have your signature lines. Make sure if you are sending any type of PDFs or actual four-corner documents that you have the page numbers at the bottom. That's very important. So page one of nine, two of nine, three of nine. If you're just sending through an online CRM system, it's okay to not have page numbers. You probably can't do it, but you just want to make sure that contract is within the four corners of your um, entire CRM system. And so they scroll basically on one whole page to get to the bottom signature line. And that, my friends, is the best way to organize your contracts. I will see you again next week on the Legal Page Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Legal Page Podcast. See, I told you being legally legit isn't so scary. Be sure to visit thelegalpage.com for all show notes. And it would be super awesome if you could head over to iTunes and leave a review. Last but not least, don't forget to join my free Facebook group for unlimited legal and biz Q&A. Chat soon, Legal Pagers. Legal Pagers.